Uh, and I want to say good morning to you. My name is Jarrett Stevens. Uh, I'm currently one of the other lead pastors. <clears throat> we'll see how long that lasts. Uh, but uh, there's just so much that God is doing in our church and so many stories of people uh, finding God here and finding a home here and finding a place here. And I'm going to get to the message in a minute, but I just thought it'd be fun. We want to just highlight some of the stories uh, from our church and how God is moving and who God is bringing to be a part of what he's doing here. And so I thought it'd be fun before we get to this to actually bring up some friends of mine. And I want you to hear just a little snapshot of their story. So can you welcome uh, my friends Louie and Portia as they come up on stage right now. What's happening, guys? Good What's to see up? you. Good to see you. So City. So City. What's up? See, it's fun. You can't not do that when you get up here. Yeah, it's fun. Like you, you had to do it. You can't not do it. And they told me to hold the mic a little, yeah, close. a little bit closer. Can you guys hear me? Yeah, we okay. can hear you. We got you. So, Louis and Portia, I'd love for you guys to tell us um, when did you start coming to Soul City Church? Because you're newer to the story of what God is doing here. So, when did y'all start coming? So, about a year ago already. I can't believe it's been a year. Wow. In November, this November. Okay. Uh, time flies when you're having fun. Yeah. yeah. And so just about a year ago, so right around our, our sixth anniversary last year, you guys kind of started showing up. What brought you here? Why, what, Portia, why did you guys end up coming here? Um, well, initially we started coming just because it was close. Um, we're West Loopers, and we could kind of heard a little bit about the church before we came to the church, just kind of the impact that Soul City is making within the community. And when we came, it was nothing short of what we've heard. The Holy Spirit's anointings was definitely yeah. here. The people yeah. were genuine, the message was Christ-centered, and we just fell in love. I love it. That's awesome. And I love, you know, we're kind of asking for stories of transformation, how God is making uh, us new as he's doing this new thing. What, what would you guys say, in the last year of being a part of this church specifically, how is God making you new? How is he transforming the two of you? Well, for me, um, I'm newly involved. I kind of went from a spectator to more of an activator, and we're mm. in a small group, so we're doing the circles and not the rows. I love it. Great. I love it. So, we're not uh, against rows, but we like circles as yeah, well. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah definitely, yeah. definitely. Awesome. Uh, and as for me, uh, being a husband, uh, I believe this church definitely pushes me uh, mm. to go deeper in my mm. love, not only with my wife, but with my friends and family around me. Mm. Uh, so it, it just, it's just a great place to hold me accountable for that. I love that. And yeah. so you guys are seeing your lives, your marriage. I mean, God has kind of stirred up a lot of good stuff. Literally everything. Literally, literally everything, <laughs> yeah. all of the above yeah. in this last year. And what I love about these two, and you probably have seen them around. They're not, I mean, not only are they some like the coolest folks I know, uh, they're the real deal, genuine folks who have, you guys have made this place your home. And what I love about you guys is you made it your home pretty quickly and then you turned around and you started making it home for other people as well. And you made it a space where other people feel welcomed and wanted and loved and seen and known. And I love that words, you know, not just a spectator, but an activator, a participant in what uh, God is doing. And we love having you all a part of the story. And we love that you guys are here with us in this season. So can we thank Louie and Portia for being here? Thanks, man. You it, dude. Thanks, Portia. So we're going to keep telling more and more stories because we really think God is doing a, a, a new thing uh, here in our church, and we are in a teaching series called Fix Your Eyes, where we're looking at this one idea, this one passage uh, from the Bible that we're focusing on to prepare us for our anniversary coming up in a couple weeks and for our grand opening. And it's found in the book of Hebrews. You don't have to turn there. I'll just read it to you. Uh, Hebrews chapter 12. We read it last week. I want to read it to you again. 
It says this, it says, therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, since we're surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses. Now I want to pause here just in that little passage right there. I want to pause because that's a really actually beautiful, big biblical picture that there are folks that have gone before you that you'll never know, people of faith that existed way before you and I ever got here, and that there's this cloud of witnesses now around the world and maybe even around your uh, life that are standing in support of you and you trusting God and going all the way in with God. And before I read the rest of the passage, uh, I want to just pause and name part of that cloud of witnesses that honestly, in all honesty, I don't think we would be where we are here as a church today uh, without them. And the first is standing right back in the back corner there. His name's Joey Vartanian. That's you, Joey. And Joey V, we want to thank you, Joey, and bless you. As our general contractor, Joey built this church. And what I love about that part of our church is I remember the day that our small group in the prayer hall with Joey when he said he wanted to give his life fully over to God and wrote on the, on the cross real big and nailed it up there, Joey 2.0. And I'll never forget that. And that you would find God in this place and then Joey make room uh, for others to find God. Unbelievable. And, and then Tim, I don't know if Tim is here as well, but our architect, Tim, who made all of this happen as a part of our church, we interviewed four or five architects years ago, this is three or four years ago, to start kind of mapping this whole thing out, and none of it felt like us. And then Tim, who's a world-renowned architect in our church, stepped up and said, well, I'll do it. I'll be a part of this. So he got to design his church that he's a part of. And then I want to thank Chris Wheat. Chris is sitting in the very back. Chris is... Uh, Chris is... An unbelievable get-it-done guy who has been always in the booth, you know, for our church. He and his wife, Lizzie, showed up here as volunteers, full-time volunteer for Chris. But really, God brought him on staff a couple years ago and has just grown his gifts. Chris literally ran point on this whole project. He and Jeannie together ran all the leadership on this, uh, this whole building, every aspect and facet and timeline and deadline and inspection. And so, Chris, we would not be here uh, without you. And so we want to thank Chris and Joey and Tim and Jeannie for her incredible leadership. There'll be a lot more of that, but you talk about this cloud of witnesses. These are just some of the folks that are standing around saying, I am with you and for you, trusting God all the way. So the writer of Hebrews says, so if, there, if we're surrounded by those kinds of people, let's throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles or trips us up. And let's run with perseverance the race marked out for us, that God actually has a calling on your life. God is drawing you towards himself. And so the writer of Hebrews says, don't you want to run free and full after God in that way? So he goes on to say this in verse 2, and I love this phrase, where we got the whole idea for this teaching series. Fixing our eyes on Jesus. Fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith, the one who began it all and the one who will complete it all, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. And that's what we want to do, what the writer of Hebrews just talked about there. We want to fix our eyes. We don't want to get distracted. We don't want to only see our circumstances and what's right in front of us. We want to fix our eyes, focus our attention on Jesus so we can see what Jesus sees, so that we can love what Jesus and who Jesus loves. And today what we want to do is kind of fix our eyes on what God is doing in this present moment in our church and in our lives, to celebrate what God celebrates in this now moment, to join him in what he's up to right now, right here in our lives. 
and to mark the sacredness of this now moment. I think we are such a fast-moving culture, ever distracted, always kind of looking to what's next and what's over there and what's next, and looking at other people's lives rather than paying attention to our own. I think we miss the sacredness of this now moment and how incredibly important it is for our lives. The Episcopal priest, Cynthia Bourgeau, says this. She says that the spiritual life, I love this, the spiritual life can only be lived in the present moment. That's the only time you got to live the spiritual life is right now, in the now. When we go rushing ahead into the future, or look at these words, or shrinking back into the past, we miss the hand of God, which can only touch us in the now. It can only touch us in this now moment. Whether you realize it or not, your whole life has actually been building up to this moment. Did you ever think about that before? I mean, that's just true. All the circumstances, relationships, and events of your life have actually led you right here, right now. There is a sacredness to this now moment. And what we want to do is fix our eyes on what Jesus is doing right here, right now, so that we actually don't miss a thing. You, you, you know that you can't go back and change the past, right? I know you've, I've tried. Trying to rewrite my story, make me look better, change some things I didn't want. You can't do that, can you? And, and you and I both know you can't control the future. And believe me, I've tried about that too. Trying to control circumstances, situations. You can't do that. All you have is this now moment. And the question I think that needs to be asked, or maybe, maybe the question that you've been asking, the question that I think is behind a lot of our questions, the question that, that got you up and got you over here today is this question, can my now be made new? Can right now, my life as it is today, can my now be made new? Is it really possible for me? Or am I just sort of the result of all my past mistakes or all the things about the future which I can't control? Is it possible for me to have new life now in God? Now, I don't know how many of you have, uh, have done this before. Um, Anyone here ever done Whole30 or some kind of like 30-day eating plan? Just raise your hand in pride. Ain't nothing with shame in your game. That's awesome that you would want to take care of your body like that. Or maybe a, a juice cleanse. Anyone here ever done a juice cleanse? All right. Yeah, some of us should just raise our hand for all those things. Yep, done that one. Yep, tried that one. Right, that's me. I've tried all those things. And so I remember the first time I did Whole30, I was, I killed that game. I was like so good at Whole30. I was so disciplined, ate clean, did all the things I was supposed to do. And man, my body really started to change and like actually, you know, was healthy. And I was like, oh man, I'm really feeling in the zone. And this is awesome. And, but it was hard work. If you've ever done that, you know, that's really hard work to do that. I was even working out while I was doing Whole30. So I thought I'd get double points for that. And I, it was an amazing month of my life the first time I did that. And then at the end, after I finished all that hard work, all that discipline, I felt like I, um, deserved a reward for all my hard work because I was a whole month of eating so clean and so healthy. And this is a true story. Day that I finished Whole30, that night I went to dinner at Burger Bar and got the biggest, nastiest burger I could get and onion rings. And I'm telling you, a month's worth of work disappeared in one meal. I felt awful. I felt terrible. I felt sick. And you, you kind of know how that goes. Maybe you've done that before too. Is you, you try and add this new life onto your old ways and it just doesn't work, does it? You know, I try to add this, oh, I'm going to eat clean and eat clean. But when it's done, I'm going to go back to eating how I used to eat and just hope that I can have the new thing now without getting rid of the old thing that was, got me this far. That's, see, that's, that's actually nothing new. And it's way bigger than diet fads or anything like that. That's a fundamental uh, personal and spiritual experience that all of us have faced. 
And it's actually something that Jesus spoke to, a dilemma that we face that he named 2,000 years ago perfectly. And I thought it'd be important for us as we're looking at this now moment to look at what Jesus said 2,000 years ago. So if you would, grab a Bible, if you would, and turn to Matthew chapter 9. If you don't have a Bible with you, there should be one uh, right in the seat below you there. Can you kind of see that? And while those of you on the main floor... While you're reaching down for a Bible, I want you to pay special attention to that amazing cup holder that's on the back of that seat. It, I'm telling you, next level thinking around here. I mean, that's why we thank this cloud of witnesses who thought about our coffee addiction and had that there. So grab a Bible and turn to, if you would, Matthew chapter 9. And you can actually turn to page 681 in our Bibles that we have for you. That'll get you there a lot faster, page 681. Let me give you some quick context. Uh, Jesus is, is just kind of at the the end of the first third of his public ministry. So just before the middle of his public ministry, the three years that he spent doing public ministry before uh, he went to the cross on our behalf. He had built up his followers, his disciples. Uh, he was teaching, he was performing miracles, healing people, and a crowd had formed uh, around him and they were interested in everything he was doing. He was teaching and preparing his disciples for uh, what was to come when he would go and he would leave it all, this movement, into their hands. Now, there were folks that were following Jesus that uh, didn't always get what he was up to. In fact, oftentimes didn't like what he was up to. And right before this passage we're going to look at today, there was a conversation that happened between some of John's disciples, Jesus' cousin John, John the same John who baptized Jesus at the beginning of his ministry. John had disciples. His disciples noticed something about Jesus' disciples and about Jesus himself. They noticed that Jesus' disciples didn't fast. And that was a big part of their spiritual practice. In fact, the religious leaders of the day, the Pharisees, made a big deal about fasting. They would fast twice a week and on multiple days, four multiple days throughout the year. Fasting was a big part of their religious tradition, but this Jesus was having nothing to do with fasting. And so they started having a conversation with Jesus' followers about this, but Jesus quickly turned the conversation from something about fasting to a much bigger spiritual principle about old things and new things and what God was up to in that now moment. So let's look at verse 16, Matthew 9, verse 16. Now, keep in mind, they're talking about fasting, and Jesus just totally turns the conversation in another direction, seemingly. Doesn't even follow the thread of the conversation. He does this all the time. And so he starts by just saying this. He says, you know, you know no one sews a patch of new or unshrunk cloth on an old garment, for the patch will pull away from the garment, making the tear even worse. Now you can imagine <laughs> Jesus' disciples and John's disciples and anyone else around going, okay, <laughs> true. What does that have to do with what we're talking about here? And for those of you who maybe aren't familiar with sewing or those of you who don't make uh, your own clothes or those of you who actually uh, don't sell boutique fashion-forward earth-friendly scarves on Etsy, let me just kind of... <laughs> take you to sewing class for just a, a minute here. When you, okay, so you, you understand this. When, when you get a new pair of jeans, remember last time you bought a great pair of jeans and in the store, they fit fantastic. And you'd never looked better in those mirrors in that dressing room, right? And it felt great. The jeans felt great. It's how, like God made these jeans for you. And they felt great. And you wore them around as often as you could and as long as you could, but eventually you had to wash them. And those new jeans that fit so great, as soon as you pulled them out of the washer, out of the dryer, fit differently, didn't they? They probably shrank a little bit, and they're a little bit tighter. If they were skinny before, they're extreme skinny jeans now, right? So you know how that happens. New fabric, when it gets wet and dries, contracts. It shrinks a little bit. That's just kind of how it 
works. And so what Jesus is saying here actually does add up. It really does make sense. If you were to put a new piece of fabric as a patch over a hole, and my mom would say I need several patches in these jeans, but if you were to put a new piece of fabric over old fabric and that fabric got wet, it's going to shrink and contract. And what's going to happen is it's going to pull away and tear where it was sewn together and actually make the hole bigger and make things worse. So again, Jesus is making a really profound point, but they hadn't quite connected the dots yet to what he was getting at. So he gives them another metaphor that seemingly has nothing to do with fasting. Verse 17, he says this, well, you know, neither do people pour new wine into old wineskins. If they do, the skins will burst. The wine will run out and, he says, the wineskins will be ruined. You'll lose both in the process. He says, no, 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 this is what they do. They pour new wine into new wineskins and both are preserved. Again, Jesus, same principle, different metaphor. And for those of you who don't currently subscribe to First Century Wine Enthusiast magazine, let me kind of break down what Jesus is really talking about here. See, in those days, uh, they didn't store their wine in glass bottles like we do today or in cans, for those of you who like to keep it classy. Uh, they, they would store them in like animal skins or, or like the hide or the stomach even of an animal that had been dried out, cleaned out, obviously, and dried out. Sometimes they would store them in, in pottery, you know, pots, big clay pots. But lots of times, if you wanted to carry wine to someone's house or offer wine to someone in your house, you would have this animal skin filled with wine. And what is true of, of, of new fabric and that sort of stuff is kind of true of animal skins is that there was a certain level of pliability to the animal skins. And, and so when you would pour wine into it, what begins to happen over time with the wine is it ferments. That's the whole point of wine. That's why you don't just drink grape juice. It, it ferments, and in the process of fermentation, it actually releases gas. And in so doing, that gas has to go somewhere. And in fact, the wine itself begins to expand a little bit in mass. Well, all that happens in a new wineskin. Guess what the new wineskin does? It kind of grows with that new wine. And it's able to kind of keep up with that growth. And then at a point, what happens is it kind of gets as far as it can go, and it becomes stiff and even sometimes brittle, but you have a perfectly contained wine inside a wineskin as they grew together. But if you were to take that same old wineskin that had already been stretched to that point and pour brand new wine that hadn't fermented yet into that wineskin, filled it right up to the top, guess what's going to happen as it expands and releases gases and goes through the fermentation process? What's going to happen to that old wineskin? It's going to burst. It's going to pop. It's going to break. And as Jesus says, both things are going to be ruined, the wine and the wineskin. That's why you pour new wine into new wineskins so that both of them can grow together over time. So I bet you didn't think when you went to church today that you're going to learn about sewing and wine, but that's something you can share at work tomorrow. And so what does all of that have to do with, with Jesus and with us and now? I'm glad you asked. Jesus is teaching us here a profoundly spiritual principle that God is the God of new things and that he makes all things new, including you, that he wants to make you. He literally, that's what God longs to do in you is make you new. But if you just try and add on God's new thing to your old ways, the whole thing is going to fall apart. If you just try and fit it in, it falls 
apart. It just doesn't work that way. The whole thing has to be new inside and out. And this is what makes Jesus a masterful communicator because he already gave us two illustrations of inside and out. He talked about a cloth piece of fabric being sewn on as a patch to the outside of clothes. The outside of your, this patch represents our kind of outer life, our actions, our habits, our patterns, our practices. But then he also gave us an illustration of wine, which was poured into a wineskin to represent our inner life. That is our beliefs, our convictions, our motivations. So in other words, if all you were to do, if you wanted to have the new life that God actually offers you, that's totally and fully and freely available to you, but all you were to do were just external things, like maybe go to church every now and then, maybe, maybe open up a Bible every now and then, maybe when the offering bucket goes by, you throw a couple bucks in every now and then. If all you did were external things without any internal transformation, it doesn't work. And maybe you've tried that and you know it all too well. And conversely, if all you do are sort of internal things, like I, wanna, I believe in God and I believe that he can change my life and I hope that he can get me out of the mess that I've gotten myself into, but I change nothing about my habits, actions, or patterns, nothing about the toxic or destructive relationships that I'm in, guess what's going to happen? Nothing. If you try and receive the new thing that God has for you, but still hold on to those old things, nothing actually happens in your life. And this is why it's so important that you and I are transformed, as we talk about here, from the inside out, inside and out. The whole you has to be made new. In, in other words, maybe another way for you to get it is this. In other words, you, you can't have new days while you're holding on to old ways. You can't have new days holding on to old ways, just trying to fit God in. Doing the same old things over and over again is going to get you the same old results every single time. You can't have new days in God while you're still holding on to your old ways, your old life. This is why Jesus said, for those who want to follow me but still try and hold on and save that old life, lose it. But those who want to follow me and are willing to lay down their life actually find real life and true life in him. But this is easier said than done because we love our old ways and we have grown specially fond of them even though they are not of service to us anymore. They're just so familiar to us. I mean, they got us this far. So we love our old ways, and we have a hard time saying goodbye to our old ways. And what's true for, for people is also, I mean, same principle applies for churches. If you were to ask me, what is God doing at Soul City Church right now? I would say he's doing a new thing. Look around you. God is doing a new thing. We are in new days. And the truth is, some of our old and familiar ways might just get in the way of what God is doing here. Amen. Same principle applies. And I saw it. I got a glimpse of it this, this last week. Um, on Thursday, actually, to be specific. Gene and I uh, were in Atlanta. We're 
shooting the story and telling the story of this church. And so we were in Atlanta literally for a hot second. And we were there for a day to shoot and interview a bunch of folks that are a part of starting this church. And it's, it's going to be really special. You'll see it at the anniversary. It's awesome. So we were there for just one day to kind of shoot some stuff. And then we had a little break between locations, a little lunch break. And so Gene um, and I went to, out to grab some lunch. And I said, you know, we live there. Some of you know we lived there for a number of years before we came here to start this church. I said, babe, where do you want to go for lunch? This is so fun. We're in our old neighborhood. Like, what's, what's a place you want to go to? Like, we're not going to do Chick-fil-A. As much as I want to, we're not going to do, like, what's a fun place? And she goes, oh, I know, let's go to Super Jenny. I go, oh my gosh, why? yes, I love Super Jenny. This is one of our favorite restaurants from when we lived there. Super Jenny, just, you, you need to know, you got to know about Super Jenny. Super Jenny was a place that sold soup. And the owner's name was, anyone want to guess? Jenny. Oh, you've probably been there. Okay, so Super Jenny was one of our favorite places. And it, it was, I mean, it was such a fun place for us to go with our kids, such a funky place for us to go. I want to show you a picture of what uh, Super Jenny looks like. I mean, it is not fancy. There's not a lot going on. In fact, uh, Jenny was actually uh, an actress, and so she only hired actors and actresses, and they all put their headshots up all over the place where you order. It's just awesome. Just, and everyone was a character there and so much uh, fun. It only had about 20 to 25 seats. I mean, so you usually had to wait, not for your food, but for a seat to open up because it was always so packed. It had terrible, terrible, terrible parking. There was like four spots if you were lucky enough to get there and get one of those. And it was a really tight, awkward kind of uh, lot. But what we loved about what you can see in this picture is kind of right where the picture is taken from. It's in a small room there. Uh, there was this little tiny room, little offshoot room right by where the bathroom is. And they'd set up a bunch of people like, that came to the restaurant would just bring old kids' toys with them. And so they made it like a playroom. And so there's like a little kid's kitchen there and some old toys and stuff. And so for Jeannie and I, it was awesome because we had little time. Elijah and Gigi were very, very little when we lived in Atlanta. And so we would just kind of put them in that room and have a date night five feet away from them. It was awesome. It's the best babysitting ever. And so we loved going there. And what I loved about uh, Jenny was she would just, she kind of ran things the way she wanted to. She would just shut down for a week and you'd have no idea if that was going to happen or not. She just shut down. She shut down for a month in the summer. She just wanted to go. She just didn't shut down. And so you always had to check the website to make sure that she was there. And on top of that, they only serve four soups. That's it. Four soups. And they rotate them every day. And so you may come on a Tuesday and really love the chili, but you got to wait another week till you can get that chili again. So you had to check the website and see what day it was and when you could go. And it was a lot of work, but we absolutely loved it. And so when we went to pull up to where Super Jenny's was, we noticed it wasn't there anymore. I know, that's how I felt. And we were so... Like, like, oh man, that's like, we only have like this little hour and that's really where we wanted to go and so many memories in that space. And, and I thought, well, did they shut down? It doesn't kind of look right. And so we pulled it up on our phone and we realized that it hadn't shut down, uh, but that it in fact was now four Super Jenny locations across Atlanta. So clearly the soup business had been good to Jenny. Like there <laughs> four locations. And so there happened to be one about five minutes from where we were at the original location. And so we're like, well, let's just go over there. And I want to show you a picture of the new Super Jenny, one of four, that we actually uh, went to that day. Go ahead and check out what Super Jenny looks like now. Yeah, that's what I'm talking about. Unbelievable upgrade for Jenny. I was on the second floor of the dining room. There's two floors to the dining room because it was so big. And the whole time we were there, there was a line out the door the whole entire time. Probably 75 or 100 people came in to get, guess what? Same four soups. <laughs> Same exact menu that she had from when we used to live there. 
really simple, and just as crazy at characters, just as fun, but now she's at four different locations. Now it's much bigger. Now there's a ton of people. I felt like it was our place. You know, when it was in our neighborhood, it was our little place that we, you got a place like that, you feel like it's your place. And then it just, you know, it kind of grew and expanded. Now all these people were coming to it. And as we were sitting there on the second floor having, I was having the chili because I love her chili. And so I'm having the chili, I'm talking to Jeannie, and I realized, oh my gosh, I just had this moment where I went, oh, I get it. I get it. I bet there's people that feel the same way about Soul City Church that we do about Super Jenny. As we're entering into these new days and we're sitting here in this new space, I haven't even officially opened yet, and here we are in this room. I, I, I bet there's some people who feel the same way about our church like we do about this restaurant. And while most folks here, most of us are excited, maybe you kind of knew around here and you're like, oh, this is awesome. I just kind of showed up and it was awesome. And, you know, you didn't really know anything else for maybe, maybe, maybe there's some folks who've been around here for a little while and you really miss those old days. And you're wondering if if we're going to lose what makes this church so special. If we're going to forget our own story, lose the essence of it all. I bet there's some folks who kind of wish it could be like it used to be. You know, back when it was kind of funky and small and parking stunk. Well, there was no parking. And, you know, it's kind of those days. Maybe, maybe you're someone who just, you liked it when it was smaller. You liked it when it was, you know, less people because you could see people. You, you felt like you knew each other more. You could see each other more. You, you liked it when it was like that. You know, we're all kind of in there together and you could see each other. Maybe you liked it when those old days, you know, when someone could sneeze in the front row and someone in the back row would say, God bless you. Because it was like we were all just kind of packed into that, that room together. You liked it how it was. And I get that. I love those days. Gene and I get that. I miss those days. I'm so grateful to God for those days. We would not be here today if it wasn't for those days. And it's really easy to kind of, you know, keep looking back and missing the old days. And while we're missing the old days, as important and significant as they are, it's just as easy to miss the new day and the new thing that God is actually doing. Because I don't know if you realize, and I mean, now we're here in this room, and, you know, there's a bigger stage, and there's more lights, and we have a ceiling that's actually higher than 12 feet tall, and, you know, there's a lot more seats and more possibilities for people to hear about Jesus. Look, all this stuff, everything you look around this room right now and see other than human beings, all this stuff is just wineskin. As important as it is, as much as we prayed and worked to get to this point, this is a wineskin. This is not the wine. This is not actually the point. This is a wineskin in which Jesus is pouring out his new wine into his church. And if we want to get what Jesus is talking about here, we have to, we have to see the new thing that he is doing now. And we must never, ever, ever, ever confuse the wineskin for the wine. We can't get that twisted. You can't confuse the wineskin for the wine. You can't fall in love more with the wineskin than you do the new wine of Jesus' spirit and presence in this place. That's what religious people do. That's not what we do. Religious people make a big deal about the wineskin. That seems to be all that they're concerned about. They don't like the music here, so they go there. They don't like how long the message is there. Not here, but they go there. (laughs) 
They, they don't like the size of the church, and so they go to that kind of church. That's what religious people do, but that's not you. That's not this church. That's not Soul City. We don't love the wineskin more than we love the new wine of Jesus. Because this isn't some restaurant or some gym or some service that you kind of use for your life for an hour or two on Sunday till you get what you need and you go. This is a movement, a holy movement of God. This is not just something you write a Yelp review about. This is something that's meant to transform you and the city from the inside out. You're not just a customer. You're not just a consumer. You're a part of a holy community of God. There's much more going on here than just this wineskin, that wineskin. We're talking about the presence of Jesus because we know that our preference pales in comparison to the presence of Jesus. My preferences, how I want it, how I like it, what I'm used to, pales in comparison to the presence of Jesus. Give me Jesus over my preferences. And that's what we're about here is being a place that's open to the new wine of Jesus, his power and presence in this place and never confusing the two and never falling more in love with the wineskin than we do the wine. Because you can't have new days while you're still kind of holding on to old ways. And I don't know about you, but I don't want to miss, I don't want to miss a thing that God is doing these days. I don't want to miss it in my life. I don't want to miss it here in this church. I don't want you to miss it. I want us to fix our eyes on Jesus, to fix our eyes on him and what he is up to and what he's about so that we don't miss the new thing that he is doing in us and through us. So what about you? What about you? Are there any areas in your life right now where God is wanting to do a new thing in you and you've kind of sensed it, you've kind of felt it, you've kind of wondered about it? He wants to do a new work. And the reason maybe you know he's trying to do a new thing is because your grip on the old thing is getting tighter and tighter and tighter. And you're finding yourself rationalizing and justifying the old ways, kind of your habits, patterns, addictions, and you're kind of, you know, doing a lot of work to keep up that old stuff. Could it be that God actually is wanting to do a new work in you, a new thing in you, pouring out new wine into your life? What is he trying to do? What's he up to in you? Maybe right now there are places where he's pushing you lovingly, pushing you into new levels of trust in him. Maybe there's new areas of sacrifice that God wants to do a new thing of you kind of letting go of your grip on your stuff. Maybe there's new depths of love that God wants to do in you and you're still kind of rehashing and rehearsing relationships from the past. And God's saying, I'm, out, I'm over here. I'm doing a new thing. I want to push you into new levels of love or new places of forgiveness. New places of complete and whole forgiveness. New paths of courage for you to walk in. Instead of just kind of walking the track, God said, I want to take you into a new trail. I want to take you into a new path of courage, a new calling to commitment to me, to these people, to this community, to what God's doing, to whatever it is. What is God trying to do? Is there something new that God wants to do in you right now? Think about that. What is something new that God wants to do in you? This is a great question for you to reflect on this week. What's that thing I've been kind of been gnawing at me and I have this desire for, but I'm finding myself defending the old ways, the old things? 
What is something new that God actually wants to do in you? And are you going to kind of go one foot in, one foot out? Maybe some external stuff without internal transformation or vice versa. Or are you willing to live like the song that we sing where we say, you can have it all, Lord. You can have it all. Everything. Why would I want to hold on to this old thing? It doesn't, it's not even of service to me anymore. Why, in fact, this whole thing actually may be part of the pain that's going on in my life right now. The damage and destruction I'm causing to myself and others. Why would I want to hold on to that? And God, you're telling me that you want to trade in old things for new things? That you actually want to make me new? You can have it all, Lord. Every part of my world. Make it all new. Make me all new from the inside out. And as I stand here today and with you, and maybe you're listening online right now, I, I just I want to tell you, I am so grateful to God that we get to experience a new thing in our church. There are a lot of folks, a lot of churches that go a long time without having new. And I'm so grateful, and it's I am so grateful that it's not perfect. And it may seem perfect to you. It's, it's not perfect because we're not a perfect place. We're not perfect people. But God is doing a new thing in this church. And before we kind of close out our time and move to a response of trusting God by giving back to him and declaring our love for him, I just kind of wanted to give you a, a little update on where we're at and how we got where we're at as a church, the new thing that God is doing. And I have some great uh, news to share with you and a great opportunity uh, for you to participate in the new thing that God is doing. I just want to give you, just by way of update before closing out today, uh, two years ago, in fact, exactly two years ago, we said to our church, God's doing a new thing. He wants to make more room for more people to experience the transforming love of Jesus. And so we asked our church at that time, five years old as a church, we said, are you willing to trust God like never before? to give to God like never before, to have a vision for your life and for this city, for the world like never before. And so we asked our church to do three things, to ask and to believe and to commit. We asked our church to ask God that what he was leading us to give, what he was leading us to entrust to him financially uh, to be a part of the new thing that he was doing, to believe that God would lead us there, that we wouldn't get there out of any sort of guilt or obligation or coercion, that God would lead us there, and to believe that God would provide and see us through, and to commit to a two-year faith-raising adventure for our church, that we made a two-year commitment. Those of us who were here then said, I'm in. You can count on me. Here's what I can commit to giving over the next two years. And it has been an unbelievable journey of faith for our church. God has stretched us and grown us like never uh, before. This little wineskin of a community has been stretched and grown by God over these last couple of years as he's pouring new wine into uh, this church. And so I want to, again, tell you the great news to report and a great opportunity for us. Uh, the part of this project that we asked our church to commit to, and we had a God-sized goal where we said, all right, God, you know, what, can, what do you think we can do? And God pushed us even further than what we think we can do. So the part of the project that we asked this church to own was a $7 million God-sized goal. That's a, I want to just pause real quick. That's a lot of money for a five-year-old church <laughs> to say in faith, God, we believe that you will provide this for us, that the, we'll, we'll take this part of the whole project and we'll commit to that uh, together. And even as we committed to that God-sized goal of $7 million, there was really a, 
a number that was way more important to us than that, and that number was 100%. All we really wanted was for 100% of our church, people who call this place home, who call God their Father, to just be involved somehow, some way. I'm not going to tell you what to give, how to give. We just want you to be involved somehow, some way. That 100% participation is really what mattered to us way more than the $7 million. This is what's so amazing. I want to let you know, as of uh, this weekend, I want to let you know that you as a church, have actually given, like the money's in the bank and, and, and is being used to extend this vision. You as a church have actually given $5 million as a church. That's unbelievable. I appreciate your applause, but we need to go back to Montel Jordan's This Is How We Do It and do that all over again. That's unbelievable as a church. That's amazing. And we need to celebrate that kind of sacrifice that people would trust God to that level to go all in and say, we want to be a part of this and to see that through. And I know that there are some folks here who you've already completed your commitment. You've already been faithful to see all the way through what you committed to. And I know there's a bunch of folks who are finishing up your commitments. You made a two-year commitment, or maybe you kind of came on halfway and you're finishing up that commitment. And we want to encourage you to continue at that, to keep trusting God all the way through so that we can be a part of this miracle of generosity. Again, all of us experiencing it. Now, for those of you who are good at math, uh, you, you've already done the equation, and you know that 7 <laughs> minus 5 equals 2. So that means as a church, there's still $2 million of the commitment that we made that we said, God, we believe you're going to provide this $7 million. There's still $2 million that we need as a church. That's for us to do our part in this whole project. And we believe, listen, we believe in faith that God's going to provide that. How could we have ever, ever, ever said, oh yeah, as a five-year-old church, this church is going to give $5 million to God for building a building to make more room for more people to experience the love of Jesus. That does, none of that makes sense on paper. So we still believe that God is going to provide that by this year end. That there are folks, in fact, who are going to complete their gift that you committed to two years ago, or maybe you hopped in a year ago, that you'll complete your gift. And that there are new folks who weren't here then in those days who can hop in and say, I want to be a part of it. I'm a part of that 100% of people. I love this place. Maybe you started coming here in the last couple of years, and for whatever reason, God is changing your life. We heard from Louis and Portia. God's changing your life. You, I mean, you love it here. You found community here. You're in a small group here. Maybe you serve around here. Maybe your kids are over in Soul City Kids right now, and they're learning all about Jesus. And you're so grateful to God there's a church that cares about their soul in the city. You love this church. Maybe you didn't have the opportunity to join in with us then. We're asking you to join in with us now, to be a part of finishing what we committed to as a church. And I look at that number, and it doesn't, I don't, I'm going to be really honest, it, I don't really get scared freaked out because I've seen God do miracle after miracle after miracle after miracle. It just takes all of us participating in the new work that God is doing. And I'll tell you, just closing out here, I'm already gone over. I'll tell you what that means for us and our family. For Gene and I, when we committed two years ago as your pastors and as a part of this church, God, what are you leading us to? Uh, where God led us to was very uncomfortable for us. It was like a wineskin being stretched. And God led us to doubling our tithe, to giving twice as much as we'd already ever given before. And it sounded really inspiring when we wrote it down on that card and put it in the envelope and brought it to the front of the church. It was like, yes, that's awesome. And then we had to be faithful to actually seeing it all the way through. 
And I'm going to be honest, it's been, it's been at times a challenge for us. At other times, it's been a joy for us. There's been times where we've gone, okay, I don't know how we're going to do this and this. And God's provided for every single one of our needs. I, I'm just telling you, in my life, I've seen enough miracles, enough new things that God has done, that I have absolute faith that we together as a church will be able to commit to, finish out, and complete what we started. And so for those of you who've already been given and you're already part of it, I, like I said, I want to encourage you to keep at it, to keep going. If you're new around here and you want to hear more or you want to get more involved in what God's doing and help us close out this faith-raising adventure so that we can say at the end of it, but we did everything God led us to and asked us to do and nothing less, then one of the ways you can do that is you can head out to the lobby right afterwards. And we have a For the Love table. We'd love to talk with you there. We'd love to hear some of your questions, give you more information about that. Or if you want, you can just text in right now to the number that's gonna be on the screen. You can text to actually give. Maybe you already know that you want to give, you're ready to give. And so you can text in right now to do that. You don't have to wait. Maybe you wanna pray about it, talk to some people in your life about this. But here's what I just wanna say. I, I don't want you to miss what God's doing. God is doing a new thing here. And I don't want you to just kind of spectate and watch it go by. I want you to taste the new wine, to experience the new work that God's doing here, and to be a part of it. So we're going to receive our normal offering right now in a moment. And uh, I want to pray for us before we do. We uh, give a couple different ways here. We give in this room, in this moment, as we're about to do. A lot of us give online. That's where we set up our For the Love giving. That's where we set up our regular giving. It just helps us be consistent so that we can participate with what God is doing here and give back to him uh, joyfully. So I want to pray for us uh, as we do that, and, and we want to respond to God by giving to him and declaring our love for him. So let's pray together right now. God, we love you, and we thank you that you are a God of new things. God, thank you that you're a God of new things. This is a miracle. We're literally sitting in a miracle. I don't think we get that enough, God. I don't get that enough. This isn't just bricks and mortars. This isn't just dollars and cents. This is faith, God, that we get to tangibly touch. This is sacrifice, God, that we get to sit down in the midst of. And so, God, we thank you for the new thing you're doing in our church. And God, at the same time, I thank you that while you love new things, and you love making us new. You, God, never change. We can count on you. We can depend on you. In fact, we can build our life on you. You are a firm foundation. God, thank you. In our ever-changing, turbulent times, we have a firm foundation to build our lives on. And as we do, God, we thank you that you transform us, you renew us, you redeem us, you make us new. And so, God, how could we not say thank you? How could we not pour out our love and our offering to you? Whatever you ask of us, God, we don't want to hold on to old things anymore and miss the new thing that you're doing. And so, God, we trust you with it all. It's in your name that we give and we pray and we sing.